Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help raise your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's Ruined. Hey everybody, welcome to Ruined. I'm Hallie. And I'm Allison. And this is a podcast. We ruin a horror movie just for you. Allison. Just for you guys. How are you doing? Has anything horrifying been happening to you this week? I like, yes and no. And I can't remember if I've talked about this on the podcast or not. But I recently upgraded from like a regular, like kind of handheld vacuum to a Dyson. Which seems luxurious. So did we thought, talk about my Dyson yet? No, no I got it. No, on, it was it. on sale. Um, I'm, I was like with Riz in the picture now, there's just like a lot more vacuuming. But like I did a once over of my apartment with it when I got it. And um, I guess I've like never vacuumed properly. Like my other one was like just for show mm-hmm. because like it, like my floors look different in a way that I'm like, well, that's not just like, oh, Riz is here and there's like some fur around. Like, there had been other stuff going on that I was just not getting with my other shitty vacuum. And now I'm like <laughs> horrified. I guess the filth I'd been living in. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel that way about basically every surface in my home. I yeah. was trying to clean the my kitchen floor. It, it, it's it's hard to determine, is this just the way it looks? Yeah. Or am I, am, am I lacking in some fundamental domestic skill? That's where I always take it. Like I'm such a failure. And then we I know. TikTok. I feel like floors are the like I know how to like I won't always put in the effort, but I know how to get other surfaces clean. I know how to do my sink, my bathtub. Like I know how to do it. Like do I always do it? No, but like I know what the what the products and the scrubbing floors I'm like is this right? Like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's uh I guess no one will ever tell you. That's like no one would come over and be like you fucked up and here's how you do this differently. Yeah. Um, it's true. I would tell you you fucked up. I wouldn't be able to provide the other part Correct. of the answer. Yeah. Um yeah, that's that's tricky. And I feel like uh being inundated with TikTok videos is it's almost Ugh. I feel like I know less about how to clean. I feel like I've seen things yes. I'm like, this seems like it would eat a hole in your wall. It made me like, right. yeah. like your I'm like, where your do hands- you get where do you get that product? Like an industrial supply store? Like I don't feel like I can just like walk into Target and get most of the stuff I see on Clean Talk, even though it's like what I absolutely want. Yeah, I feel like the stuff they're using, we would just reach in the bucket and we'd pull out skeleton hands. Like, it would just be eaten all the way to the bone. But then I guess your floors would be incredibly clean. Yeah. And, like, this goes back to, like, I am going to get a deep cleaning service to come in and do a deep clean where they, like, wash your walls and your baseboards and, like, scrub your floor. And I'm just like, somebody else has to do that once and then I'm going to ask them how to (laughs) not have to do this again. Yeah, they love doing that. I think that's like, teach me how to do this so I never call you again. They're going to love yeah. that, Alice. They're going to love that. They hate making money. Um, yeah. <laughs> what's uh, what's horrifying over in your corner of Los Angeles? Well, Allison, I um, I went to a burlesque show yesterday, and I have a oh. lot of— Oh. Okay. I've, I've never attended them. I, I, I think of— um, 
when I think of burlesque shows, oh, I think, of course, the seminal Cher and Christina Aguilera film, which I saw alone. <laughs> theater was that? One of the East Village theaters. I saw it alone. I was oh, drinking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I sat in the back. I cried uh, during Cher's number. And I was surprised that the plot of that movie hinged on air rights laws. <laughs> oh, yeah. When they pop <laughs> that air rights shit. Yeah. Um, that movie sucks so bad. I do want to watch yeah. it again. And it features yeah. a scene where it's torrentially raining in L.A., which I always thought was so silly. And then this year, it torrentially <laughs> rained in L.A. for weeks at a time. So I was like, wow, okay, they were ahead of the game, maybe. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I've entered a new phase, uh, in case you're new to the pod, after we've joined Crooked. Um, I came out last June. So I've entered a new phase of of being queer, which is I'm in a constant state of rage. Um, oh, as sure. is my lesbian birthright. At, specifically at the heteropatriarchy. And mm-hmm. I'm not mad at straight people and I'm not mad at men. I'm mad at the system. So I just want to be yes. very clear. And I mean that genuinely. We're all caught up in this and we all have to work on it. But I'll tell you, Allison, I went to, I was on a date at a specifically queer bar, for, mostly for the sapphic community. Obviously anyone can attend. Totally. The burlesque show, other than like the like the main performer and, and, and her partner or their partner, um, it was so straight. And I was like, what are all these straight people doing in here? That's so strange. I agree. I was like, oh, a burlesque show at a lesbian bar, basically. This is going to be wall to wall queers. Yeah. I what, couldn't uh, believe my eyes, Allison. Would you say that, like, the performances also kind of drew from a more straight gaze or something like that? Like, I, did you like did you feel like the, the like in, entire experience was overly overwhelmingly? Or was it like... These are straight women and their straight friends are here. I would say the performances were a good mix. So okay. I feel like some of it felt like, okay, we're just not like, not like just stripping, but like just sort of like, okay, we're lip syncing, but we're, it's certainly not for our lives. You know, we're lip syncing for sure. today, you know, it's for, yeah. for the next yeah, yeah, hour. Yeah. And then other performances felt like they were, people had a bit, people had a look, like people were, I guess maybe it's like, Burlesque should be sex sexual drag, right? It should yes. be as funny as like thought out totally. as in my mind, because I've seen drag. So it's like if you're yeah. telling me this is drag, but I'm gonna see some naked ladies, I'm on board. Let's yeah. do this. And I mean, I to be fair, like I mean Sasha Colby won drag race uh, as a naked lady. So I want to be clear, there's plenty of naked ladies who do traditional drag. Totally. But, like burlesque, if we're doing it like I want the, yes, is that yeah. I want the like whatever the razzle dazzle and i was like there's something about it i mean whatever i don't mean to like shit on these people but i was like i don't want to watch this i don't want to watch anything unless it is a little bit gayer than this and Mm. i also felt that way i was trying to watch um sex in the city allison you know Mm. just getting ready for the the upcoming season two of uh chase big adventure hell yeah um (laughs) And uh, it, well, I I could barely watch the original series because it's simply not. There's not. It, there's nary a drop of queerness. It is the least queer thing. And I can't. And there's do a, it. And there's like a queer storyline for Samantha for like two or three episodes, and it's still like deeply unqueer. Right. It's yes, the straightest woman trying to have sex with a woman, and I feel bad because I love Sex and the City, but I just feel like I'm in a state where I'm like, I don't want to see this. This yeah. isn't for me. Um, and so that's, I understand. I'm just, you know, processing this. And I always think of like myself as like when I first came out, I felt like I was 13 and now I feel like I've hit like 18, like when you enter college. Mm, and I'm like, this yeah. is my college rage of like. I thought you were going to say like 50. <laughs> like you jumped I mean, right to being like a, like, like 
curmudgeonly 50, like, I don't like any of this anymore, kind of, like, over it. Yeah, that's where I'll end up. When I'm when I'm 50, yeah. I'll finally be caught up with yeah, myself. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's enough time. But, um, yeah, it's just interesting. I feel like that's also why I can't get, on, get off Twitter, is I just follow too many queer and trans people. And I'm like, I just need a little bit of it, of the discourse yeah. all day. And I can't. Yeah. Especially when, like, well, I think it, what sucks is, like, your promise. Like, it's a queer bar. It's, like, yeah. a objectively, like, pretty queer or should be queer, like, performance style. And then it's, like, just very straight. That sucks. Like, not, yeah. you know. A false promise. Yeah. So I get that's no, no offense to the burlesque community, but I was like, this, I, I, I demand queerness in this space and I, I will not be attending. I'm not sure. I, I, I'm doomed. It's LA. There's so many burlesque shows that are LA. Yeah. I don't know. There used to be a lot here too. And I feel like I don't, it, there was always a lot of like mixed, like burlesque and comedy. And it's yes. like, that just like doesn't serve either. No, performance I agree. Style. I have no like, interest in that. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's hard to yeah. pivot from somebody being like, oh, I was at Whole Foods the other day. Blueberries cost more than a car. And then like a lady like using tassels to like shake her tits around. And you're like, I don't, both of this is wrong. Yeah. Separately. <laughs> For great. this space. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah, and then oh, I always think of the burlesque community in the Chris Fleming, a very funny comedian, has a yes. song about polyamorous couples. And <laughs> I believe the title is, It's Never Who You Want to Be Polyamorous, Who's Polyamorous. And the, he's just talking, these are straight couples, obviously. I know plenty of queer polyamorous couples sure, sure. Who, are, who are fun. But it's uh, it's like, uh, I should have known by the way you went on about how welcoming the burlesque community has been. And that's what I kept thinking. I was like, that's that's who this is by and for. And they deserve their space too, but it shouldn't be in here. Get the hell yeah. out of here. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Not a yeah. lesbian bar. Like again, I mean there's plenty of lesbians there, but I'm like, there's some there is is the, the ratio. It's, the it's ratio. just off. It doesn't feel right. Yeah, I mean, listen, and it, when I go to a straight bar, I pretend to be straight. That's the way it should be, you know. No, I, I don't know. There that was just like a moment of like. I guess we could have just gone to a regular bar and not have seen this, but yeah. now we know. Now we know better. Um, uh, before we get started, we are being asked to plug our Patreon, which I, yes. I we also didn't explain. So basically, we joined the Crooked Network, and mm-hmm. uh, we also separately, at least for the time being, have a Patreon. Yes. So the way it works is there are three different tiers. Uh, $5 that is this is support us and support our ongoing struggle with re- like living in reality. Yes, yes. $10, you get that, the support, and then you get two bonus episodes a month that will also be on theme. And then for $20, yes. you will get those- And no ads. You're listening to no, no ads. ads. And you also get video. So in case you're watching this on Patreon, you can watch yeah. a video of us just fucking serving looks. No, I, I yeah. just woke up. Always wet. <laughs> um, always a little wet. Always makeup smeared. Um, and then for $20, you get all of the above, plus a ticket to our monthly live show, which is live virtually. Um, so if you have any interest, uh, you could uh, check us out at uh, uh, patreon.com slash ruined podcast. Hell yeah. So check it out if you like this. If you, you know, we have a large back catalog as you are probably, yes. again, if you're new, you're going through it, but we have even more on Patreon. So There's even um, more. And we have promised that if we hit a thousand oh, yes. Patreon members, which we are like, frighteningly close close to doing um, that we will go and record episodes and videos and content and stay overnight at the Lizzie Borden house. Um, So we're probably making that trip pretty soon. And if you guys join, like you're just going to speed that process up. Uh, And I'm sure you want to see us 
pull out a Ouija board at a house where a child murdered her parents with an axe. Um, or did she? I actually don't know. Or did I, she? I think there's some yeah, we don't unclear. Unclear. But yeah, I will terrorize Allison. She will be decapitated mm-hmm. live on mm. camera. We'll and see. so thank you all for um everyone who's part of our Patreon. Boy, it's been an interesting past year, I'd say. And we really appreciate mm-hmm. you joining us and giving us your money and supporting, again, something I would be simply doing for free to yes. Allison. If on Gchat. Of, if no one was listening. God, I mean, yeah. that, this idea started on Gchat and has, I guess Gchat still exists, but who's using it? Not us. If we're not using it, no yeah. one's using it. Am I wrong? It's true. We're the we're we're the people. I feel like I still chat with one or two people when I'm just like doing fuck all um mm-hmm. and avoiding writing. So And it's one of those people, Josh Gondelman. Uh, it is friend of the pod yeah. and a wonderful Perennially on G Chat. God bless him. Um, yeah. but yeah, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for being a part of our Patreon. And if you're cons- or if you're considering it, go take a look. Take a gander. Yeah. And again, if we peak. get to a thousand um, Allison will know a world of terror, the likes of which okay. this planet has ever known. Cool. So you got that going for you. Um, Can't wait. So let's, let's wait, keep it. Before we get into it, we just want to let you guys know we have another live show coming yes. up Sunday, May 21st, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And we are doing Evil Dead Rise. It's Mommy Issues Month, so there really is no bigger issue you could have with your mommies uh, than if she becomes a deadite and is sleeping with the maggots now. So mm-hmm. join us um, at moment.com slash nope. ruined. Moment.co slash ruined. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why it's not a com. It should be a com, but moment.co slash ruined is where you can buy your tickets and also where you'll go to watch the show. Obviously, Patreon members at the $20 tier, you already have tickets that will be in your inbox that morning. And uh, it'll be another great live show. If you've been to other ones, you know that we have a we have a blast and a half. Um, we get a little blasted, and uh, well, the chat's fun. There's merch. Like, just, just come. <laughs> please just please just attend. Please just come. We, we love you, and we'll see you there uh, yeah. Sunday, May twenty first. Yes. So let's let's keep it going. It is of course yep. Mommy Issues Month. Mommy ish. Mommies. Mommies. We've talked a lot about daddies on this podcast, so we had to give mommies their month. Mommy yes. issues. Hey, we all have them. I mean, all things funny when people are like, oh, I have mommy issues or daddy issues. I was like, baby, you have two parents, you know, or they more. can both fuck you up. Yeah, you do have issues <laughs> with both of them. Give me a break. Come on. Let's be honest here. But we are doing um, this week a another fabulous David Cronenberg uh, movie, The Brood, um, the Brood, which is interestingly based on his own divorce and custody battle with his oh, wife. Okay. A little personal. And it does, I will say, um, it is, uh, this came out in 1979, excuse me, written directed by uh, David Cronenberg. And it, there are elements at the beginning where I feel like they do tip a sort of like, not necessarily a men's rights, but sort of like hit on some themes that now have been appropriated as men's rights. Mm-hmm. But yes. I would actually argue that the movie is pretty even-handed about what's actually going on, which is more complicated. Like, it has a monstrous female. It has a monstrous mother. Sure. But the reasons for that and the way that it happens, to me, like, I feel like you, this would be easy to say this was misogynistic, and a lot of mm-hmm. movies are. This, to me, is more complicated, and I kind of appreciate it because— if you're making a horror movie about your ex-wife, it would be very easy to be recriminatory. I mean, that being said, we'll discuss how you feel about how how we how we landed it. Um, cool, cool, cool. 
But yeah, so we'll be doing The Brood. And before we begin, we also have to take, have Allison watch the trailer. Allison, what are your thoughts about The Brood trailer? I mean, absolutely chilling. I didn't like it. And like mm-hmm. the trailer is, you know, like it's not a trailer that gave me a, a real sense of what's going on in the movie. So that's even scarier because you're just like, well, someone's up to something and it doesn't seem good. Um, and a child seems like it was getting terrorized at one point, And I don't yeah. like that. That's the problem so, with mommy issues. About which that. now makes sense with the uh, <laughs> ties to his custody battle and divorce. Um, I will say mommy issues month. I, I really shot myself on the foot here because I just really wanted to take a break from after we did uh, political month, we did uh, Cars yeah, of the Future. I'm heavy. like, I need to take a break from kids and horror. And this is all kids. I mean, yeah, like, cause to be a what mommy. Are, what are mommies if there are no children? I mean, and, and this is uh this is a question is what if, what is a mommy if she has a different kind of child, Allison? Oh, Okay. Um, I just want to read it. David Cronenberg has a quote. Uh, the brood is my version of Kramer versus Kramer, but more realistic, which I think is oh, fun. That's okay. very fun. Um, and then uh, we also take a, a baseline scary. Allison, how scary do you find the concept of a brood? What is that? Um, a brood is... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay, so I was going to say it's a it's birds, but as soon as I came to say it, yeah, here we go. It's a okay. family of young animals, especially of a bird. So let's say, because I, I was okay. famously like it's a collective birds. noun. And so it's a little hatchlings and birds kind of just running around. Oh, so it's very. Like a little, yeah. Very. I don't like things that can skitter, and oh, I feel like yeah. they're skittering. Mm-hmm. We are skittering. We, we are scampering. There's skittering, a, scampering. There's a lot of uh, ducking behind doorways in this movie. Yes. And then how scared do you find the concept of uh, basically, I'm trying to think how to uh, sum this up. How, how scary do you find the concept of a parent creating a child with a particular purpose? Ooh, never good. Never good. Yeah, the the idea, and we'll talk about that at the end because I think it connects to some some stuff in the news, um, as the as every horror movie does, in terms of how we conceive of children as not simply their own being, but something to be created and controlled yeah. by their yeah. parents. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know why we think that, but is not true, they, and has they are human beings. Yeah, it's, you could see again as. Uh, 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 the conversation in America being about children is not, not for no reason. And it is because our ideas of what children are, are themselves very fucked up, but we'll get into it. And there's a bunch of fucked up kids in this movie. So we will get into it before we begin. Allison, would you like to guess the twist in the brood? Guess the twist. I'm going to guess that the brood has, um, a mother of it and Mm -hmm. that all of the real terror is being directed by uh, her, like large bird. Okay, great. She is the mother bird. Whatever, whatever creature is the mother of the brood um, Mm -hmm. is going to, is, is, is the one that's like behind all of the evil that's happening. Okay, great. I love it. Let us begin ruining the brood. We open on Dr. Hal Raglan. He's (laughs) uh, berating his patient, Mike, 
in front of an auditorium of people, which feels very 70s to mm-hmm. perform psychotherapy in front of an audience. Yes. Um, and this is also a critique, of course, of psycho psychotherapy about the process and about a lot of stuff we were getting up to that maybe we didn't have to, yeah. you know. And he's, of course, berating his patient, Mike. Uh, he is, they're role-playing. So Mike is playing his childhood self. Uh, Dr. Raglan is Mike's father. And he's berating Mike about not looking him in the eye. And Mike replies, I could if I wanted to, Daddy. And is talking, calling him Daddy, mm. not in a fun way, unfortunately, in a, in a deeply traumatized yeah. way. And there are these, there were the, I don't think so much anymore, but these schools of thought that like the best way to get out of trauma is to replay it over and over again. And I think we're understanding that there are diminishing returns on that. Yeah. I don't think that that's. Yeah. You're not going to get out of it that way. The path forward for healing. Yeah. And in case you were unclear whether or not Dr. Raglan's methods were sound, he tells Mike, I guess you're just a weak person. You get that from your mother. You're so weak, we should have named you Michelle. Weakness is more accepted in a girl. Also, no, it is not. I'll tell you someone who was a girl. You are not allowed to be weak ever. At all. Ever. Ever. But of course, much like we talk about how queerness is a concept is created to also control straight people, the the girl isn't a concept used to berate boys. You know, like it is used in that same way. Like, what are you going to be a girl? It's like. Right. It's like, that's the worst thing you can be. Exactly. Which I also think is like, when we talk about trans stuff, it's like, that obviously is like part of it too, where it's like, what do you want to be a girl? Like the worst thing in the world. It's like, okay, okay. Well, a lot of us are. So I don't know why we have to talk about it like this, but of course that's part of it. So we see, again, he's berating this obviously mentally ill man in front of an auditorium of other people. And uh, we see our protagonist, Frank, enter and he sits down to watch. And Dr. Hal is continuing to um, berate Mike. He says, I should call you Michelle all the time and treat you like a girl. I could buy you frilly scarves and frilly frocks and you could be (laughs) daddy's little girl. It's like, again, femaleness as a way to bully men into submission or into, I guess, more like tightening up. Um, Mike screams, of course. He's like, I hate you, daddy, because I love you and it makes me feel guilty. And Dr. Raglan says, don't tell me about your anger like a little girl. Show me. And Mike sort of hunches over and then tears off his shirt. And all over his body, Allison, we Mm. see these horrible, pus-filled red welts. No. What? No. Yeah. And he's sobbing. And he says, look at me, Daddy. This is what you do to me inside. And he collapses into Dr. Raglan's hands, arms. And Dr. Raglan hugs him and kisses him like a father would. And, And but then he tells him, I see, Michelle. I see. And I wrote psychotherapy in a nutshell in the 70s. <laughs> like, guys, we got to figure this, this out. Ain't it? Now that, I mean, now it's like, oh, you just can't afford to go see anyone. So right. I guess that's what we decided just on. Just get it from um, TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, TikTok. I have my <laughs> only, oh my God, absolutely. Like our only medical um, provider, <laughs> medical information. But the session ends, and the guy next to Frank, he turns, and, he's, and he just blows a breath out, and he goes, that man is a genius. People are really wowed by this. Okay. Frank and the other attendees the exit. 70s. Some go to their cars, and some go, they have, like, a bus that takes you, I guess, to back to the city. And uh, they are at the Soma Free Institute of Psychoplasmics. Because this is a David Cronenberg movie, so you know you're getting some, yes. a title like that. Yes, love that. And I do say, it's like, if you were a white man 
with any authority, you could open an institute based on our history. Yes. Like, statistically, your chances of having an institute Very is high. Yeah, raises exponentially. Um, Frank goes upstairs to the one of the guest rooms to collect his daughter, Candace, who I'm going to say it's four or five. I'm going to say four. Mm-hmm. And they head out to his car, and she okay. has this very, uh, what you saw in the trailer, a signature red snowsuit. So, like, yes. matching red and um, jacket and pants. At home, uh, Frank is giving Candace a bath, and when she turns so he can wash her back, she's covered in bruises. Frank, reasonably enough, freaks the fuck out. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yes. So, he goes back to the Institute, and, uh, and again, I think this is, again, to signal, at least to the modern viewer... I hope this was the signal to the uh, viewer at the time. Dr. Raglan is taking a shower. If you are a medical professional, you shouldn't be showering at the Institute. I, I yeah. That's like. You don't. That an unnecessarily, an unnecessary boundary to cross. Exactly. Yeah. And he is wearing a robe and is just fully in a robe talking to his lackey, Chris. Which no. again, it's like if your doc, psychiatrist is in a robe. I, again, like, yeah, like, I think that it's, like, what is the checklist of an actual, like, competent medical professional robe? You got to get out of there. Robe, like, I, there is not, unless you're literally a burlesque performer (laughs) backstage, there's not a profession I can think of that, that not even requires a robe, but where it's even remotely acceptable to have one around. Right, if any of us were to walk into our office soaking wet in a robe, it'd no. be like, okay, something's gone wrong. Let's take oh, her to you the gotta hospital. get that out of here. Yeah, yeah get the fuck out of here. Um, Chris, his lackey, comes in and says, that guy Frank's here and he's getting uh, passionate about the whole thing. Passionate about someone hitting his kid? Absolutely. Yeah, that's fair. And Frank busts in and he's furious because basically uh, he says, I leave her alone. Like, the situation is Frank's ex wife or soon to be ex wife Nola is an inpatient living at the institute. Every weekend he brings their daughter, and then she spends the weekend with her mother. So he's okay. like, either my ex wife did this, or somebody else staying here abused my child. I am not bringing her back here. And Dr. Raglan immediately starts downplaying his concerns. It's like I'm sure there's some explanation for it. You know, I, I'm sure this is no problem. And you can't, you can't not bring your child because your wife is undergoing extensive therapy mm-hmm. and we, we cannot change her therapy at this time, which all seems very Scientology to me. Very Scientology. Like once you completely take away, like this conversation. Any is agency. Yeah. And it's not like, oh, she, and I understand that like mental health and, you know, other, other physical health issues are not that different, but at the same time, like, it's not like. She's hooked up to a thing that's keeping her breathing. It's like, yes, no, no, no. Yeah. We can find a way around this so that the child isn't in danger. Exactly. Yeah. Frank says, well, fuck you. Somebody hit my kid and it's either, again, my ex-wife or somebody else staying here. Yeah. So I'm not bringing her. Dr. Raglan says separating her could send your ex-wife in over the deep end. And again, I question the medical ethics of a man. Telling that to someone's ex-husband, like, just don't say that. Don't describe it in that way. Yeah. It reminded me of um, Lewis, the chiropractor in Jacob's Ladder, who tells Jake No boundaries. his ex-wife is still in love with him. It's like, you can't just (laughs) say that while you're doing something medical. But again, that seems like that's what the 70s was. Yeah, it feels like extremely blurred lines across the board. But Dr. Raglan does say you have no legal right to deny Lola, Nola access to Candace, which is fair. I mean, she is she is allowed to see her. 
But Frank says, if you want to fight me in court, let me know. I'll fucking go to court with you right now. I don't care. And Dr. Ragland, who again is in a robe, which might as well, he might as well just have his dick and balls hanging yeah. out. Like, it is the most insane, inappropriate, unacceptable. 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 And he said, I know that I was with Noel all weekend. I'm sh- I know she didn't hit Candace, so there must be some other explanation. And again, Frank says, great, you give me that fucking explanation. Until then, my daughter is not coming back here, which seems fair. Like, yeah, you sort this out. I am not bringing my daughter back here because something is going on here. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, then uh, Dr. Ragland calls Chris and says, prepare Nola. Car- Her name is Nola Carveth Kelly. And prepare- okay. I know. Prepare- it's, again, it's David Cronenberg. I mean, yeah. yeah. These are the most normal David Cronenberg names we've run across so far. Yeah, so. this is, I mean, this makes crimes of the future. Um, this is like Sally, Mary. <laughs> yeah. Crimes of the Compared past. Mm-hmm. Um, Frank goes to his lawyer um, and basically says, this institute is a quackery. Pla- Psychoplasmics is a fake field of science. It's like my ex-wife is right. in a facility that is not only hit my kid, but I don't even believe in it. She's been in there. I don't think she's getting better. They, I, can't even, I didn't even talk to her, you know? Right. And Barton says, I hear what you're saying. And I think this probably happens a lot where it's like, um, Dr. Raglan is like a, li- this is a licensed institute. He's a real psychiatrist. And- Nola checked herself in. She's allowed to do that. And then he said, which to me is the men's rights part of it all, which is the you're going to have a hard time because the, the law believes in motherhood. And that's fine okay. as sort of an explanation why you immediately wouldn't escalate this. Yes. But also the rest of the movie isn't really nece- necessarily about that or about the law. So I, I, I feel like it's just put in there in a way that if you put that in a movie now, it would feel much more political. I don't know mm-hmm. if, that, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not, not to excuse the point, but rather it's like, that's not really what we're talking about. Right. That's not what this is about. Yeah. Right. What it's about is Frank trying to prove that this kind of psychiatry, psych, psychiatric care is fictional. Fake. Yeah. So it's like, this guy's a quack, much like Scientology, or unfortunately, there's a lot of different cults where people like make medical promises. Mm-hmm. Goddamn Gwyneth Paltrow out here sucking down bone broth, looking like the goddamn Crypt Keeper. You know, you yeah. just- Everyone, unfortunately, if they're vulnerable, could could be uh, put in the hands of people who do not um, have their best interests in heart, at heart. And boy, this Dr. Raglan has some plans that are not in anyone's best interests. And his lawyer says, uh, that's fine if you want to do that. But next weekend, if you don't show up, that Nola could have the police come and take your kid. Like you, you could lose custody for denying her custody. So all of this happens okay. in a matter of a week. Because Frank's like, I have to fucking Oof. figure this out. I'm not taking her back there. I, yeah. I will find evidence. So now he's sort of, that's his project. And we see Frank pick, pick up Candace at school. And you see all the kids sort of spill out of the playground. They all have their little brightly colored snowsuits because it's in Canada and it's during the winter. And cute. it's really cute. And we meet Candace's teacher, Ruth a Mayer, who sort of talks to Frank as an aside and said, I'd love to be with you. You didn't, you weren't able to make it to um, parent-teacher but I have some concerns. And I, I think we're supposed to think Candace is sort of suffering at school because of the divorce, because of her mother's ongoing, you know, mental illness and trying to get treatment. Obviously, you're four. The whole thing's very overwhelming. You know, talk to your children again. Barely a concept now, I'm sure, in the 70s, revolutionary. But Frank takes Candace to see Nola's mother, Juliana, who is fully drinking a glass with no ice of what I was I assume is warm scotch in the <laughs> middle of the day. I it, mean... Live out loud, girl. Not even one ice cube? I can't understand it. Yeah. Were you a cowboy? <laughs> and she immediately tells Frank, I guess you don't know what it feels like being a parent, being blamed for everything. 
to have the past distorted so you don't even recognize yourself in it? Your child's version of the past, that is. It's like, yes, distorted, remembered correctly, and that's why your daughter's in a <laughs> mental institute. Who's to say which it is? And there is this idea, again, I, that I think is the movie is questioning, where it's like, you can never question your parents, like, right. or their authority, which is like, yeah, girl, you're getting blamed for stuff that you're obvious, you obviously did, and we know you did it, starting with the fact that you are drunk in the middle of the day. Yes. Like, that's... That you know, that's reeks of guilt. Yeah, like, exactly. And... Frank says, well, you know, my daughter's only five, and um, so we're going to work on that. I don't think we're going to get where you and Noel are at. And Juliana says, she's working on it right now, believe me. And then looks at Candace with this level of, like, malice, which there is something to that where it's, like, parents who think of their children as, like, not competitors, but something where it's, like, you like so, like betrayal is like they're gonna betray me by being their own person, yeah, having their own thoughts and feelings, you know, like yeah, adversaries or in some regard. Except yeah. one of them is a literal child and the other one is adult. Grow up, everybody. Um, and she says, thirty seconds after you're born, you have a past. Sixty seconds after that, you start to lie to yourself about it. It's like sixty seconds is Ooh. also the amount of time it took you to drop down that fucking drink in the middle of the day <laughs> while watching your grandchild. Oh, warm scotch. You know, but that's what's the thing is like she's not accepting any blame whatsoever right. for her role. And this is about like the cycle of trauma in Nola's family and how this is going to be visited on her daughter and her ex-husband. You know, and Frank interrupts her and was like, "Okay, like obviously he's heard this before. Like, okay, that's fine." But then he's going to leave Candace with Juliana while he goes to try to research the facility, you know, and, and right. go to his actual job. Yes. Um, and he Keep leaves. everybody flush with scotch. <laughs> exactly. And she tells her granddaughter, let's, uh, let's look at these old family photos. Let me just get, get a refill. She's constantly getting a refill of, it is, there is not, there's not a drop of soda. There's not even, I used to break it up. It's, just she's scotch. just drowning scotch. Meanwhile, back at the Institute, we see Dr. Ragland doing a session with Nola. Dr. Ragland is pretending to be Candace, and he's talking to Nola about her being hit. And he tells her, you hurt me, mummy. And Nola says, no, mummies don't do that. Mummies don't hurt their own children. And Dr. Ragland says, oh, they never do? And of course, Nola then has to be like, oh, right, I was abused. Mm -hmm. And by my mother, and, and so she's sort of like, she said they're fucked up. Those are fucked up mummies like mine was. And then he switches into her mother. So now Dr. Raglan is Juliana. Okay. And he tells so her, his entire yes. psychiatric practice is like role play of it's, parenting? It is improvisation. Okay. It is horrifying yeah. to watch. Uh, both just as because as, it seems so unsound and also because have you seen improv? Yeah. It's, I did improv for years and I'm allowed to of say course. that. It's insane. Um, and then he, t so he's playing her mother now. And he's like, yes. no, Nola, I would never do that. I would never hurt you. Mummies never hurt their children. And she explodes. And she explodes. And Nola's like, you did. You beat me. You scratched me. So again, it's like the repeating cycles of abuse. So it's like, can she recognize within herself that this, the cycle's repeating? Yeah. Because saying to her own mother, you threw me down the stairs, Whew. you know? And Dr. Rogan says, that's good. Show me your anger. Go all the way through it to the end, right to the end. Like, get to the end of your anger. Let it out. Back at Juliana's, Candace holds up a photo of her mother, Nola, who's in the hospital with as a child with her mother, you know, okay. and asks, why was, in, why was my mummy in the hospital so much? 
and Juliana, who's drinking at this point a fucking camelback of scotch. Uh, <laughs> she's like, you know, when your your mother was a child, she'd wake up with bumps all over her skin, and the doctors could never figure it out. Um, meanwhile, Allison, we see that there is, I thought it was a dumb waiter. It looks like it's a delivery slot for orange juice and milk. I don't know if that was ever a thing, but that's what it looks like. Explain to me what that means. So there's a little door you open. I know what a dumb waiter is, but like, how is it so specific? It looks like the milkman comes and opens a door in the side of your apartment in this case, or house, Uh and puts the milk in and then closes the door. And then you open the door from the other side and get the milk. I don't know why that makes more sense to just leaving the milk on your doorstep. I guess you don't knock it over. And it does look delicious. And I absolutely would love to receive milk that way. Um, but also, I thought it was a dumbwaiter. It's like, as soon as you see a dumbwaiter in a horror movie... You're like, well, someone's a- coming up and down with just a head. <laughs> exactly. Yes, separate <laughs> head. Yes. Um, and so, it's again, it's a delivery hatch for orange juice and milk. And we see a, 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 basically a child-sized fist just punch the door open <laughs> from the outside. <laughs> and the child's arm is wearing Candace's snowsuit. So, it's a snowsuit okay. exactly like Candace. So, this is, again, it'd be like a little child avatar who's here to, like kick ass. Juliana hears it, but thinks, oh, I must have stacked the dishes and they fell over. Let me go check. And well, they're going to freshen both of our drinks. Meanwhile, Candace is drinking like milk. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I'm going to make us another cocktail. It's like, girl, you have Enough. to watch a five-year-old child. <laughs> um, unfortunately, as she walks to the kitchen, she hears glass shattering. It sounds like something or someone is running across her kitchen counter. Okay. We and don't Elsie, love it. We see a tiny, wizen hand no. grabbing a meat tenderizer. Which makes you think, how hard did meat used to be? I, I mean, I've never owned a, a meat I've tenderizer. never owned one. I've never. The only time I've ever really needed one is to make, like, thin chicken cutlets. And you could just Ooh. buy them thin now. Like, you don't even need to, ha- like, to, you know, yeah, pound out a breast. So yeah. I think you should have to do a little work. You should have to chew a little bit, America. You know what a I mean? A little bit. And Juliana walks in the kitchen, it is wrecked, their dishes smashed, cereal spilled everywhere, and there's a broken window. Okay. She looks up, Allison, and sitting on top of the fridge, wielding the meat tenderizer, is a child, sort of. And we don't see it directly, we just see it sort of outlined, and it leaps onto Juliana, and it takes the meat tenderizer, and it brutally beats her to death. Unfortunately, poor baby Candace then has to come in and discover her grandmother's dead body. And drunk. <laughs> and she was drunk on top of it. And I mean, imagine being me. drunk and like a small thing bludgeons you to death. That's scary. That's even more confusing. Okay, but I would argue at least, at least you're a little, you got a little buzz on. Yeah, right. You're kind of like loosey goosey. It's like how uh, drunk people are more likely to survive a car crash. Survive a car crash. Because they're yeah. not as like rigid. Now, I don't know what the statistics are for surviving a child a creature pulverization pulverization but the yeah. statistics are not in her favor no she's gone and we see the candace look up looks up and sees there's a child the child creature is holding onto the banister and it runs upstairs leaving these bloody tiny handprints below we see frank arrive at work he's an architect it's been a minute since we've had the seminal men's horror yes, movie architect representative representative architect and Frank arrives at the apartment building, and just then he gets a call from Sergeant Markle, who you could go ahead and picture as Megan Markle. It's not, but it's just kind of fun. It, no, that's more fun, though. If that, if that adds something for you. It does. Unfortunately, they tell him that a police officer, I guess, saw the broken window as he was going by, goes inside and finds Juliana dead, and Candace asleep in bed. Oh. 
And he says, you know, um, I'm having a talk to Dr. Birkin, our child psychologist here at the uh, police station. And, you know, of course, Frank immediately panics and thinks, well, did she see it happen? Is she acting unusually? And he's like, no, she's acting calm and cool. A little too cool. Allison, they think that baby might have did it. (gasps) So my question to you is, what would you do? What would you do? I mean, let's get that baby questioned, you know? Let's let's see what what she saw, what she knows, and then keep everyone locked in separate rooms and facilities. And then no one gets to see anyone and no one else has to die. Great. And that's, I mean, it seems like that's what we're trying to do in society. It's not mm-hmm. working out great. But I guess it's, it's hard to, as a parent, know what you'll do in, in any particular situation. Yeah. And this is one where... Uh, my immediate instinct would be just to fight the police on, on everything. Like yeah, I would I just mean, be obviously. like, yeah. But then you look more guilty, and then it's sort of that's that's a difficult thing, especially because this is one of just the beginning of the murders in this film. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack store. Save up to sixty percent on new arrivals from Vince, Rag and Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. Um, but we see Sergeant Markle's talking, you know, about the brutality of the crime. And he says it didn't yeah. seem like an interrupted break-in or, say, a rape murder. It's like, wow, just to have that that phrase thrown out. That phrase is tough. Just a rape murder. It Um, gives me, like, obviously it's it's the same as, like, murder hornet. You're like, ah, (laughs) enough. Yeah. (laughs) This is too much. Bad enough. A rape murder. And I had the captions on it. It was rape hyphen murder. So, and also just unfortunate that that's just a category of murder. Yes. Uh, It's it's just just hard to hear. A little subset of a horror. (laughs) Um, and they started asking him, did anyone, did she have any enemies? This seems particularly personal. And Frank says, well, Juliana had a series of lovers, but I never met them, which I do think is cool. And she said her ex, his, her ex-husband is Barton Kelly, who is, uh, Nola's father. He works for the government in Halifax, but they've been divorced for 10 years and he doesn't live here. Like, you know, so I don't think it would be him. And Dr. Bergen comes in, the child psychologist, and says, okay, yes, so your kid absolutely saw this murder, but now she's so traumatized that she has retroactive amnesia. She doesn't even remember going to her grandmother's, let alone seeing anything. So it's important that you get her to try to talk about it. And Frank's like, and again, this is something we've talked about, like, is it better to confront your trauma and talk about it? Or is it better to, as we would have in the 70s, just bottle everything up? And teach your child that horrible things, if horrible things happen, you never speak of them. But there is some pushback on that. Dr. Bergen says, I've seen children with ulcers as bad as adults from unprocessed trauma. And I think we, don't we now know that ulcers are just bacteria? Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's a bacteria. Yeah, it's not like from like, uh, it's not your body like uh, making something out of contained stress and anxiety in the way yeah. that we used to be like, oh, I'm so stressed out, I have an ulcer. It's like, well, that's probably connected to some things that are happening in your life that then yes. allowed bacteria to grow in a space. Uh, not necessarily that like your work stress is coming out of your stomach hole. Right, yeah. And we do feel a lot of our emotions in our stomach. So yes. it would make sense that it's like, oh no, my stress feels like it's in my stomach and must right. be causing, but then it's like stress does have physical effects on our health, you know? So it, it's it's six of one, half dozen of the other, I suppose. Yes. Um, Frank takes Candace home to put her to bed. She's She, can, she can't even talk. I just feel so bad because she's such a little tiny bean. No, She's such a little baby. And so again, it's like, not that I want a nine-year-old to have to go through this, but have a four or five, like a five-year-old oh, go through so it. Oh, so tiny. And uh, it's so teeny. And so the phone rings. He runs to get it after putting her down, and he misses the call. And we see the person calling is Nola, his ex-wife. Mm-hmm. And we see Chris the lackey is hanging it up, the phone out of her hand. And she says, is something wrong? Something feels wrong. Something is absolutely wrong. Mm-hmm. But Dr. Raglan appears, and then he sort of, he enters, and he immediately is like, it's daddy. Like, it doesn't even, there's not even a second to acknowledge anything could be wrong. Immediately, we're back into the role play. And now he's playing Nola's father, Barton, okay. who we're going to meet in a minute, minute here. And uh, she's like, Frank despises me. He's trying to take Candace away from me, so I'll never see her. And Dr. Raglan, you know, again, pushes back. Is like, well, what if he doesn't want to see her hurt? What if they, what if actually... What he wants is for the best for your daughter. The same way that I, as your father, protected you as a child. And she says, no. And Dr. Reagan pushes back and says, no what? It's like, you didn't protect me. You didn't protect me, daddy, and you should have. And again, now she's unleashing this intense rage at her father, where she's like, you shouldn't have looked away when she hit me. You should have stopped her. And she says, which I think, you know, anyone who's suffered abuse, like that's at the bottom of the question is, well, didn't you love me? Like, why didn't you step in and do something? You saw, right. she threw me down the fucking stairs, you know? And unfortunately, because Raglan's not her actual father, he doesn't really have a response to that. Back at home, we see that Frank is documenting the, bru- the bruises on Nola's back with a Polaroid to unfortunately build a case as part of the case against the Institute. Like, she was there, yes. it just happened. Fuck this, right. I have this evidence, you know, which yes, unfortunately- here's a photo, yeah. Yeah, and I feel I still so, so like it, I am so sorry to anyone who's ever had to do anything like that. Like that's so horrifying to have Horrific. to think of building a fucking case to prove something like that happened. Hmm. Um, and so and now it's time to plan their the grandmother's funeral. So it's like bad. <laughs> and they go to the airport to pick up Barton, who is Candace's grandfather, so they can plan the funeral. Okay. Like her parents are still alive; they're going to want to come in. Her brother's going to want to come in. You know, we could do it this weekend. You know, but he's staying in a hotel. But he's thinking about going back to the family home, which is where Juliana lives. So she stayed at the family home after they broke up. It's the family home where Nola was raised. Okay. And he has not been back there, you know. And But it's, you know, it is furnished and empty. And he's already like, going back there's going to be really hard. I don't know how I feel about it. And Frank's like, I've got a lot to deal with right now. I can't take on your shit. No. <laughs> His plate like, is pretty fucking full. Like, I know you are my ex-father-in-law, but I'm going to need you to handle yourself for like two minutes here. Frank goes to a residential facility to see one Mr. Jan Hertog, who is a former patient of the Soma Free Institute of Psychoplasmics. And we see Jan is rolling around on the ground in his room. 
It looks like it's sort of like a, I don't know, I don't want to say halfway house, but like a residential facility for people to stay after they leave. Yes. You know, like an inpatient. Another institute or an, yeah. Yeah, like a a rehab, but you're just, it's just living, like a dorm sort of. And so he's rolling around um, on a mat with a towel around his neck and he's telling Frank, who's, who, you know, is kind of flummoxed about what to do. He says, people talk about blood, but no one talks about the lymphatic system. Blood has the heart to pump it, but there's no muscle that pumps lymphatic fluid, so it only moves when we exercise. And if you have a problem with your system, the whole thing gets fucked up. And ra- basically, he's blaming Dr. Raglan for fucking up his lymphatic system. Okay. And Frank says, um, okay, Feels well, out. my... Yeah, it's like, well, my wife is in the Institute, and her... I want to assume for psychological damages, but you sound like you have physiological damage, you know? Yes. And they sort of chat and we find out that their lawyers are friends. So Jan is working on like a, a patient class action lawsuit against the Institute and Frank, you know, so sort of they're sort of communicating and Jan says, um, you know, yeah, you know, give him a little more time with your wife and she'll have physiological damage too. I promise you. Oof. And he, we see Jan pull his neck towel down, revealing what looks like a sea anemone. What? Like growing out of his throat. No. And it is a Cronenbergian representation of lyphosarc- lypho- sorry, lymphosarcoma, which is, of course, cancer of, of the lymph system. Mm-hmm. And it's spreading. And Frank, in a way that makes this the most grounded <laughs> David Cronenberg, one of them, is like, you're going to really blame that guy for this? Fair. And you're- and your doctor thinks you can prove that in court? I was like, I can't remember a movie we watched where anyone's asking reality-based questions like yes, that. Yes, right, where it's like, that's not this. Like, that's yeah. not how this works. Yeah, so that's kind of a fun twist on his, to, to be more grounded in this movie, I thought it was really fun. And Jan's like, no, I don't think I can prove it. It's like metaphysics. I know it happened, but I can't fucking explain it. But what I want to go right. to court for is I want to torch this place's reputation. Yes, whether I could lose, but I want everyone to, I mean, now they didn't have Google, but basically like if you were to Google the name of this institute, it's this, this fucking lawsuit. Yes. So it's like, I, I want as many people on it as possible and fuck, I want to ru- ruin his name. And I was like, that's actually very smart and what you have to do if yeah. that kind of shit happened. It's like, yeah, yeah, I might lose because that's how the legal system is set up. But just getting it out there as like a question for people will exactly. like end up Deter like, bringing it down. Yeah. Frank is thoroughly weirded out by the whole conversation and leaves. Meanwhile, we see Barton, the grandfather, has driven to the Institute to try to, to tell Nola that her, her mother has been murdered. She doesn't even know yet. And he is drinking in his car. So he is also, drink, much like his, right. his ex-wife, drinking, again, like you said, the guilt of what they've done and what level of denial they have. And he's drunk. He gets out and he accosts Dr. Raglan and Chris as they leave the, the Institute and says, I need to tell Nola her mother has been murdered. And Dr. Raglan refuses. He says, Nola is in a critical phase of therapy. And Barton, of course, both being drunk and being an enraged grandfather, grabs Raglan's lapels and shakes him. It's like, if I don't hear from my daughter by tomorrow afternoon, I'm coming to check her out of your fucking facility. And Chris says, do you want me to like call the cops as Barton <laughs> drives away? And Dr. Raglan says, nah, he's drunk. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. Meanwhile, Frank goes to pick up Candace from school and invites the teacher, Miss Ruth Mayer, over for dinner. She's also a smoke show. So I think this sort of like, oh, is her. this perhaps another chance at love? Yes, a lot of people are being murdered. A lot of mayhem. But, but you still, never know. you could be hot and people could be murdered. Those two things are not exclusive. I, I mean, that's, isn't that the way of the world? You know it what really I mean? Is. That's the only thing keeping us going is hot people. 
And she tells him at dinner at his home, he says, uh, basically every time we have any free time, Candace wants to play mother daughter. So she wants me to be her mother. And they talk about, you know, sort of the teacher says that the teacher said that. And she's like, I just want to check in. I know her, her mother is in some sort of Institute and I just want to do, but you know, it seems like maybe she needs more support. And Frank says, yeah, I, I'm really sort of realizing it's sort of the mistake of my marriage. And I think looking back that Nola married me for my sanity. And that was what was appealing about it. And it did. I would marry a man if he's sane. I mean, (laughs) I have yet to meet one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Someone who will never uh, date a man again. I'll say it does take a minute. It takes a minute. and It takes a village. Yeah. To find a man to marry for his sanity. With sanity. And I want that for you, Allison. Yeah, sure. It's going to happen. I got Riz. I'm fine. Yeah. Um, so the phone rings. It's Barton. He is, of course, drunk as hell. And he's back at the family house. So Juliana's place, which is still a crime scene. Like, there is tape right. everywhere. Right. There's literally the outline of her body taped onto the kitchen kitchen <laughs> floor. And he's just in a stupor. He's so, he's like, I'm so depressed. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I. He's he's spiraling, and Frank, of course, is thinking, please, I, I just have so much going on right now. But he says, I want to go drive to the Institute tonight to spring my daughter out of there, and I want you to go with me, so we'll go as soon as you get here. And Frank says, okay, I'll come pick okay. you up. But really, he's just going to pick up and bring him home. He doesn't want right. Barton to be driving drunk no. to the Institute. Right, you know? fresh off of, like, a huge, like, life-altering trauma. Yeah, and literally we see Barton, like, on the floor, like, running his hands no. along the no. body, no. the outline of the body. I know. So he's much We're not like— not going pranking tonight. Like, that's not <laughs> happening. Um, and Ruth says, uh, if you want me to watch Candace, that's totally fine. He says, it'll be 45 minutes. I'll drive there and come right back. Also, if you want to read this book, and he gives her Dr. Raglan's book, which is called The Shape of Rage, as sort of an introduction to mm. psychoplasmics. And he leaves, and uh, meanwhile, we see Barton. He's sobbing. He's, like, going up the stairs, and he collapses into Juliana's bedroom, and he's sobbing, and he's apologizing. He's like, I'm sorry, Juliana. I never meant it to be this way. And unfortunately, Barton, if you think you're sad now, we see a little hand start crawling up. Not a little hand. Ah. Wearing that signature, that fire red coat. And it reaches up onto the uh, side table, grabs a heavy glass paper weight. weight They've got too much stuff for murder around this house. I don't, yeah. Meat pulverizers, heavy blunt objects. Like, I'm looking around. I guess probably like the the microphone arm is the only thing you could beat me to death with in this room. Yeah, oh, like, no, I, I have, have my like, toolbox. Look, I have kitchen stuff. It's all in drawers. It's all away. Like, nothing's just like yeah. out for small hands to grab. And this small hand makes quick work because this, he just motherfucking beats him to ah, death. Oh I didn't no. mean to gender the child. I don't know what, you know, I think these, these child transcend gender. They, he, Barton is beaten brutally to death with okay. this glass paperweight. Unfortunately, this time when Frank makes it there and finds Barton's corpse, again, brutally murdered, he sees the child leap out from the shadows of the bedroom and we get a, our first look at its face. Oh, no. And it looks sort of like a distorted mask of a child over a child's mask. Oh. Over a child's face. Great. Um, and it hurls the paperweight at Frank's How large? Hard. It's like the size it, of a child. The size of a child. So, like a size a of the other child. Okay. Yeah. So not very big. Hypothetically, if I'm like, if you were to kick this child really hard, it would fly across the room. And nobody okay. does. 
And it makes you, I just think people have to be prepared. As we discussed before, if there's yeah. an evil child, you have to physically fight the child. Yeah, I'm you not have to fight a child. Either. And you can, and you just need to get over the mental block of, I shouldn't kick a child across the room. Because you're correct, you should not. But if it's right. uh, an evil little thing that's already killed two adults, I think you can you can put yourself there. Um, it, it, it hurls the paperweight at Frank so hard, it, it goes into the drywall. Great. And then he's just brawling with this little bastard who almost strangles him. But then finally lets go and just falls to the floor and dies, which is also baffling. That's it, strange. At the police station, he obviously the police came and like again cordoned off the crime scene again. And the detective tells Frank that the the child was in the house the entire time. So it's probably hiding under the bed, hiding in the bedroom. Meanwhile, Miss uh Ruth Mayer answers the phone at Frank's place, assuming it's Frank calling with an update. It's, in fact, Nola calling from the Institute. Okay. And she's like, who the fuck is this? And uh, Ruth says, it's uh, Ruth Mayer. And she says, well, my God, from the school? Are you having a private PTA meeting with my husband? You're killing my family, you bitch! Oh, my God. And just goes off. So she knows now. She knows. Okay. She knows, and things are going from bad to worse. Basically, it's like, this is, it it couldn't be a worse person to answer the phone. And listen, for young people, this is the kind of call you could, you would actually get before cell phones. Yeah. The phone rang, it picked it up, it could be anybody. Anybody. You have no idea. I, you know, I just, so unfortunately now, Nola knows that Frank is moving on. Frank is, Perhaps. Also, if I, also she could just be babysitting Candace. Like that doesn't seem insane. Like right. stepping in during a very trying time. Um, uh, over in the morgue, the mortician does the autopsy of the child creature while Frank watches, which is again another hallmark of horror. Where it's like that would not happen. Yeah, <laughs> that he would no. not be allowed in there. Um, especially because this is not a actual child, Allison. This is a creature. Oh, no. Nope. It has irises but no retina. Its tongue is too thick and too no. immobile for speech. No. It has no teeth, but it has a beak. It, it has, has a beak? Like, is, have you ever seen, like, a squid? Like, a squid has a beak? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like that, where, like, it has, like, a, a mouth, but inside of it it's is hard. a beak. It's okay. hard, yes. Hard mouth. Hard mouth. Um, no sexual organs. And it has a food... Oh, se- oh, they were trying to explain, well, why did it suddenly collapse and die? Well, Allison... It doesn't really have, it can't digest anything. So it has a, a sack of nutrient fluid between its shoulder blades. Okay. And once it burns through that and consumes that, it just dies of starvation. Like a fruit fly. Like a fruit fly. So very fortunately, I guess it happened to die of starvation seconds away from strangling <laughs> Frank to death. What are so the odds? Out. <laughs> and they said, and there's something even more strange. No, what that's, is, there's nothing more strange nope, than that. This is the strangest thing I've heard in a very long time. <laughs> Oh, okay. So, like, I'll have you guess. He said, that's not the strangest thing. The strangest thing is, Allison, what's the strangest thing about this body? Um, I'm going to get, my my logical guess is, um, same bruises as the child. That's really good. That, that would have been great. No, it has no navel. Thing has no belly button. That's right. And that means this creature has never really been born. At least not the way human beings are born. It wasn't ever born. I I hate that. You hate? I hate that. <laughs> you hate to hear it, Allison. It wasn't ever born. Back at the Institute, Nola is now convinced that uh, Ruth Mayer is the reason her family is spitting up, splitting up. She Again, like, look, in a, in a trying time, who to blame, you know? Uh, Dr. Raglan tries to push back at her, but she sort of is committed to this. 
Frank arrives home and Ruth says, hey, just so you know, your insane ex-wife called. I'm leaving. Candace is upstairs. Bye. So she's out. Yeah. And Frank tells Candace, again, what can a five-year-old understand? But he tells her that the creature who killed her her grandma, oh, and also her grandfather is dead. And she hugs him. And I'm like, I guess that would be of some solace. But Mm -hmm. the concepts behind what is being said is so fucked up and complicated. Like, can a five-year-old understand what that means? I barely understand it. And I'm almost 40. (laughs) Right. Versus you are safe and something horrible happened, but I will will be here for you. We will keep you safe. And that's and that is the thing too of like, can you keep your child safe? Like that's the other horror of this movie. Of, well, not in like, this environment. <laughs> no, 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 no. This Frank's doing his best. It doesn't matter. You can't come come up against the brood, baby. Um, back over at the institute, Raglan reads about the second murder in the newspaper, and there's a full on photo of the child creature in it. Imagine opening up the paper and seeing that and being like, I got to worry about this now and inflation. I know, it's like, for the love of God. Also, I'd be like, I don't know that guy. That kid's not coming to my house. Yeah. That's somebody else's problem. That could happen tomorrow, Allison. We wouldn't be talking about it four days later. It would be over. Twitter no, would have moved on. No, we'd be back on Scandaval. Exactly. Like, it would be like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, all the alien stuff. It's like, yeah, aliens. Oh, yeah. Who the fuck? What could, we, what could we even do with that information at this point? Yeah. You know, what would you do nothing. with the nothing. crowd Nothing, nothing. And he tells Chris, the lackey, clear everyone out of the Institute now. They are emptying all the patients out of the facility because now we are understanding from his reaction. He recognizes what this is and he wants to start hiding what is happening in a more overt way. So he's kicking all 27 residents out of the Institute. And Chris says, oh boy, Mike's not going to like this. Mike being the guy from the opening with the daddy issues. Oh, which I well, think is funny to be like, oh, Mike's going to have a hard time. It's like, Mike's yeah, he was already, already having a hard, having a hard time. time. <laughs> and Raglan says, then do it gently. And when Chris goes to leave to kick all of their patients abruptly out of their care, Raglan opens his desk drawer, baby, and there's a gun inside. Obviously. Allison, please tell me who will survive this film. survive. I think Dr. Ragland's definitely going to die because he's doing something wrong. So <laughs> he got, should. We've got um, Nola, the ex-wife. No, Nola. I think Nola will die. Frank will survive. Candace, will, Candace is the kid, right? Yeah, Candace will survive. Kid. I can't. Yeah. Uh, we got Ruth Mayer, the um, the teacher. I think Ruth is going to survive and end up with Frank. Okay, great. And that's pretty much it because we got the other patients. Yeah, there's some uh, other folks floating around, but they're not yeah, Mike, I guess, is probably not long for this world. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. 
we see a scene of Mike pleading with Chris as they're just loading all the patients on the bus, which again, is also like a question of like um, deinstitutionalization. Like yeah. when, you, when you put people out of an institute, even one that is clearly fucked up, it's where still do they is go? destabilizing. And yeah. yeah. And so Mike is pleading with Chris, like, please don't make me get on the bus. But of course, Chris forces everyone to. And the next day, Frank heads over to see Jan. Uh, and he's really excited about the Institute emptying out because he thinks that's a, that's evidence that they like some, they know something is fucked up. So we can like, this is going to be good for us. All these patients will want to talk to us about all bringing a lawsuit. Like these mm-hmm. are 27 yeah, more yeah, yeah. people ready to sign on. Yeah. In fact, I, I have one right here. It's Mike. We get a little more Mike, you know? Um, good for unfortunately, Mike. Mike, yeah, more screen time, uh, better pay for the actor who played Mike. And he tells Frank, basically, Nola is the only patient that's going to be left at the Institute. And Frank says, why would why would he not also empty her out of it? Like, why would she be the only one? And Mike tells Frank, Nola's the queen bee. She's a star. He's the one she's interested in. She was mm. born to prove psychoplasmics was, what did, what did Dr. Ragland call it? The ultimate therapeutic tool. Ultimate then, feels wrong. Yeah, ulti- like, ultimate feels very uh, end of the line. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he asked Frank, while I'm here, would you be my daddy? My real daddy rejected me. My surrogate daddy rejected me. And nobody did it better than Dr. Raglan. He knows that I'm addicted to him and he doesn't care. So will you be my daddy? Mm. And Chan says, anyways, everyone has been thrown out of the Institute except your, your wife. And Frank says, but why? And Mike screams, because Dr. Raglan wants to be alone with your wife. Like, do I have to spell it out with you? Yeah, what do you think is going on in there, bro? Nothing good. Like, whatever it is, it's bad, dude. Um, Back at the Institute, we we know it's going to be bad because Dr. Raglan is inspecting what I would describe as a nearly windowless barn. Oh, Um, Cool. With uh, the, with one window that is shattered, something clearly has escaped through the glass. Oh, I'm sure wizened little creatures that were never born <laughs> never hang out in windowless barns. <laughs> uh, it's just good that the property came with a windowless barn. Um, you know, it really <laughs> yeah. worked out for him and his practice. <laughs> and uh, he's so distraught by seeing the window that, of course, he takes out his gun. So in case you weren't clear how bad that sign was, he now is wielding a gun against something that he knows is in there, right? Yeah. Frank takes Candace to school. At least she's safe at school and sort of watches all the kids go inside while this other mom comes to talk. Wendy comes to talk to Frank and we see all the kids inside. And again, I, I don't know why we, we are going to do a, a month of no kids in any horror movies. I'm just like yeah. not mentally there. Child right now. free month. And we see all the kids like take their coats off and get ready for the day. And everyone has a different snowsuit. And then we t- see two kids from behind. They're not kids, Allison. We see them grab Candace mm-hmm. and what shove do they wear? her. Like they're, 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 they're all wearing they all in the same? They're like, okay. they look, they're just different colors. Okay. So how the colors are chosen, do they generate the clothes? Yeah, are they just like given the clothes? More questions than answers for sure. I guess, well, we'll talk about that at the end, yeah. And they shove Candace in the bathroom. They then both grab mallets, clay mallets. You shouldn't have mallets around in school, I think. No. Or anywhere outside of a place where clay is expressed. Well, I guess they are using clay. All right. Uh, never mind. You should have okay, mouth in school. And they brutally beat Miss Ruth Mayer in front of all of the horrified 
kindergartners who oh. watch in silent terror as they beat her about the head. And finally, one little boy runs outside to find Frank and finds Frank and Wendy who run inside and they find Miss Mayor and she is dead. Not only is she dead, Allison, oh. Candace is missing. Frank has been outside for 30 fucking seconds. It's like a child's gone. The hottie's dead. What's happening? Back at the Institute, we see that Dr. Raglan has moved Nola into the first floor of the barn, basically. Great. And uh, he's wearing like the fattest, like, you know, like, I feel like in the 90s too, I guess it was a 70s thing, ribbed white turtlenecks. Yes. The 70s and the 90s both dipped into this knitwear trend. It looks like he's, like, in a cocoon. Like, it's yes. the fattest, most ribbed <laughs> turtleneck I've ever seen. Um, And he wakes up. She, he wakes up Nola, who tells him, I had a dream. She said, I had a dream that my daughter was coming back to me. And he asks her, well, what about Ruth Mayer? Last time we talked, you you seemed pretty upset about her talking to your husband. And Nola's foul says, you know, I must be doing really well because I don't feel threatened by her at all. Hmm. Um, so again, what does that mean? What we'll find out. Mean? Frank takes the police to, uh, a little studio where uh, Nola and Candace, they lived for nine months after N- Nola left him. But okay. of course there's no one there and he's trying to br- like figure out like, where would Cand? he's thinking that Candace just ran away in terror. Um, so he's like, I don't know. She doesn't know anywhere else. She knows here in my house at her home and that's it. Like there's no other options. Fortunately, Allison, we then see where she is. We see the two little child creatures, each holding her hand, just walking her down a snowy street. Okay. And we see, like, in the country, like, obviously towards the Institute. Right. And a truck drives by. It's like these, if I saw three five-year-olds holding hands, like, across, walking like, a lane alone. of traffic in a snowstorm, because it's no. now started to snow, no. you gotta stop. No. You gotta, you gotta stop. stop. Back at home, um, I will say the only acting problem I had with this is that Back at home, Frank is, like, drinking coffee. He's reading the paper. If my kid's teacher was beaten to death and my child was missing, I would be vomiting. I would yeah, be running Yeah, is he not aware place. of – he's aware of those things. He's aware of it to the point where he opens up the newspaper. And I guess this is back when they did, like, a morning edition, evening edition. I mean, he, I would search the paper for answers. You got to look. I mean, you got to look. You, there's they, no Google, so – they even, um, but it's the evening edition, so they they have a uh, "Have you seen me?" They were able to p- uh, print a "Have you seen me?" of Candace, so that is at least in the paper. Okay. People are looking. Um, there's a knock at the door, and it's you better believe it's Daddy Issues Mike. Mike is oh, getting more screen hell time, yeah. and he says, "Someone's following me. Someone's always following me." Hmm. And Frank says, "Okay, Mike, that you got to you got to maybe rate it in here." But did you find out anything more about why they kicked everyone out of the Institute? And Mike says, well, yeah, it has something to do with the kids. Frank replies, what? And Mike looks at him. He's like, a, like he's a fucking idiot. Right. It's like, it's where like, you, you been now? The disturbed kids in the work shed, the ones your wife is taking care of. Luckily, Frank is, has no slouch, so he's immediately what? puts two and two together. <laughs> and he like shoves Mike in, into his apartment puts on his coat, and then speeds over the Institute. Yeah. Because now it's like, okay, they're disturbed kids in the work shed. I saw that kid who killed Barton who was not a child. No, I could only nor assume, a human. I can only assume everything everything's happening at the Institute. I should just go there right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just get there and, you know, just see what plays out. 
and he parks on the road and then grabs a flashlight and comes in through the back, through the woods, so Dr. Ragley won't notice him. And he finds the, I was calling it a barn, but I guess it is. It's a barn. It's two stories. They call it a work shed, but it's bigger than that, you know. But Dr. Raglan finds him sort of casing out the work shed and Frank confronts him, but Raglan tries to act like he's crazy. And mm-hmm. until finally, uh, Frank says they killed Ruth Mayer. And Dr. Raglan reacts to that like, oh my God. Well, if they killed Ruth Mayer, then I got to tell you everything. Like, oh, the, God. like she was the third murder. Yeah. And he even says, like, I didn't want to believe it. He, he says, I didn't want to believe it, but now she's killed Ruth Mayer. What about the other two people? Right. Like, what are you talking they about? Mean, they mean something. <laughs> yeah, but it was just, it's such a funny, like, well, you got me. In that case. And he says, if they have her, Candace will be in the attic with them, but they will kill you if you go in there and try to take her. And Frank's like, they're just a bunch of kids, kids with a lot of problems. Why would they kill me? Why would they, like, oh, like, I bet Nola's loved being surrogate mother to a bunch of disturbed children. (laughs) And Raglan tells him, oh, no. She's not that surrogate mother, Frank. She's their real mother. I'm not going to listen. They're her children, Frank. More exactly, they're the children of her rage. And again, he's like, and I didn't want to believe it, but now she's killed Rose Bear. It's like, okay, I guess if that's the thing that broke the camel's back. And he tells her, he tells Frank, I, I will admit it, the bruises on Candace's back, they're from the children. And basically what happens is, and we can probably intuit this by this point in the film, um, when Nola becomes enraged, the brood becomes activated. So they yes. become enraged. Yes. So she was annoyed with Candace and the brood beat Candace. She was extremely enraged at her mother one of the brood went and uh, tenderized her into the yes. next life. And Frank's like, okay, well, I'm going to go get my kids. So how do you fucking help me figure out how to do this? You piece of shit. He says, okay, we have to keep the brood calm, which means we have to keep Nola calm because if she becomes agitated, the brood will become agitated and kill you and Candace. So I want you, Frank, to go in and apologize to your wife and ask for her to come back to you. Okay. I know, but and then Raglan says, "I'll go in and grab Candace because if Nola's angry, the brood is angry." And Frank says, "I I don't think I trust you, Raglan." But Raglan says, "Does it matter?" And that's a very fair point. This is a no-win situation, right? Like, Like, okay, either way, there's several people dead and some very disturbed children running around with murder in their. brains (laughs) brains <laughs> we lost ruth mayor one of our town's finest educators yes. we didn't give a fuck about these other slobs but to have ruth mayor killed by the brood unacceptable and frank goes to the main floor as uh, dr raglan takes this like an external wooden staircase to the attic and he sees the brood is all asleep in their bunk beds which is oh, kind of cute i like that they have bunk beds it's i like know camp. And they all have little mat, like you know, they have, so they have brightly colored um, snowsuits, and then they have brightly colored like matching sweatsuits. Which is do they make what- noises? Not really. Okay. They make because well, I know they like- can't like talk or whatever. But is there like a like kind of going on or something? No, and that's an interesting conversation. I bet they had. I yeah. think because because at this point <laughs> it would be so noisy and yeah. they'd be so doodly doodly that yeah. I think making I mean like silent. When they were, when- 
when the one was fighting Frank, it made some sort of fighting noises. Mm-hmm. But yes, in course. terms of chattering or talking, no, yeah. they're not doing okay. that. They're okay. silent. Yeah. But the brood is all asleep and they're all approximately the size of Candace. So he's going through trying to figure out where, which one's Candace without waking up any of the brood, right. which is a funny, like a funny visual fun. proposition. Um, Frank goes in, we see Nola. She's wearing this really fabulous turtleneck white robe and is sitting legs, you know, folded on a, a dais, dais, sort of just seated like a queen. Yes. And he's, he, so he starts laying it on thick. He's like, you're the only woman in the world for me. But she tells him isolation is part of my therapy. What's happening to me is too strange for anyone in my old life to understand. So Frank says, so make me part of your new life. And she says, I don't know if you can handle it. I'm in the middle of a strange adventure, which, listen, as a woman hurtling towards middle age, that's how I feel about myself. Same. And he says, then let me go with you. I want to go. And she says, you do? Then look! And she throws open her robe, and her body is covered in, uh, like, growing tumors the largest of which is growing a full-size fetus in so, an ex- okay, got it. An, an external ex- amniotic sac. Yes. So it's sort of a translucent sac, a translucent yes. <laughs> bag <laughs> with a visible fetus, fetus. Ra- roll, roll it around in there. Okay. So, the, yeah, they're not born, but they are kind of generated by her. That's why I said I was like, well, wouldn't it have an umbilical cord? It's still in her. I mean, it's like it's attached to her body. It's feeding right. her in some way. But I guess then they have sacs. A lot of sacs in You this don't need movie. to point out the the science that doesn't work here. <laughs> and that's David Cronenberg. He, he's he's given us exactly the information we need. Yes. We don't need. And then, Allison, well, it's time for that baby to be born. We see Nola bend down and bite open the amniotic sac, spilling blood and fluid all over her lap, and pulls out a new, brand new brood baby, Allison. And because, well, we're already here, we might as well. She starts licking the blood off the baby like a dog would to clean. No. No. So she's laughing the blood off. Absolutely up. not. Now, Frank's been doing a good job of acting this whole time, <laughs> but he has a reasonable disgust reaction. Good. Good. And Nola sees this and is like, yeah, you hate me. I repulse you. You are repulsive. Yeah, it's like, well, I mean, yes. Like, you aren't here because you love me. You're here because you want to take my daughter from me. It's like, well, at this point, yes, I do want that. Yes. Like, yes. before I, yes. I did it, yes. and now, yes, that is what's going to happen. Allison, upstairs, Dr. Raglan finds Candace in one of the bunk beds and wakes her up. But unfortunately, he awakens the brood, and the brood is then agitated while because Nola is becoming enraged, right? Right. Allison, they descend on Raglan, who has a gun, and fully shoots at least two of the brood, <laughs> just blows these kids away. Yeah. But they're simply too many, and they're able to get yeah, him. They're swarmed. You know, they're, they swarm him. They're in a barn of bunk beds. I mean. It's one man against a brood, and they tear him limb from limb, Allison. Good. Downstairs, we hear Nola screaming, I'll, I'd kill Candace before I let you take her from me. <gasps> and again, the idea of a child as belonging to a parent yes. or part of a parent rather than she's her own person, that's horrific. You know? Yes, absolutely. Meanwhile, Candace, she's a smart cookie. She's able to get into a closet and lock it. But then the brood's literally just fucking punching through the door 
They're soaked in uh, Dr. Ragland's blood. Yeah. They're pummeling. She's screaming, panicked. And he starts shaking. Frank's downstairs starts shaking. Uh, Nolan says, you stop them. They're doing what you want. You have to calm them down. And Nola smiles. And Frank realizes, oh, my God, you want them to kill her. You want them to kill her to punish me, basically. Yeah. Unfortunately, Allison, he then has to, he wraps his hand, hands around his throat and screams, you make them stop or I'll kill you. And she screams, kill me, kill me then. And basically it is a race between him strangling his Nola. wife. Yes. And in the attic, Candace screaming as the brood grabs her through the door and it's dragging her through the hole they've busted in the door. Okay. And finally, Frank kills Nola and she falls to the ground. And the screaming in the attic falls silent. And he runs upstairs, and the entire brood is dead on the ground. But Candace is alive. Horrifically traumatized for the rest of I her mean, life. I mean, how alive. do you move on? And he scoops her up and runs through the woods back to his car. And they drive away into the sunrise. And he tells his daughter, we're going home. But as they do, we look, we see that Candace's sleeve is torn. And on her arm are bumps that appear that are rising on her skin. And the bumps are trauma, the brood, the brood. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I've been doing this little segment where I connect this to the news. I'm trying yeah. to think of a title for this. Um, I'll work I, on it. Something like life is a horror or life yeah. is horror. Um, and the thing I want to talk about, again, I, these are heavy fucking duty topics, right? Yes. And I understand that we're not going to do this every episode. I just, again, feel remiss. All of us have to be. As politically engaged as possible. And yes. re- watching this, the thing that kept coming to mind, and I kind of, we don't normally do a tr- uh, content warnings, but I just want to make a content warning if you're a trans person. Mm-hmm. Yes, this I just, know exactly this is what you're going to talk about. Yeah. yeah. This is something that like, it is so horrible, but it's, Horrific. it's, yeah. it's on us as cis people to talk about that. I don't think if you're trans, I don't think you have to listen to this. I'm just no. flagging this as like, it's been a bad year yeah. in news for trans mm-hmm. people. So I just want to, if you are, I just want to flag that. Um, but yeah, the thing I'm going to talk about, which if you're online at all, you probably saw, is that um, basically there's a representative in Montana, Zoe Zephyr, who has been censored by the Montana's um, legislation, so she cannot speak. During this whole uh, ongoing democracy, democracy in crisis moment where Republicans yes. are basically forcing a trans legislator into silence about anti-trans bills. Yeah. And, uh, and also there's all these, I mean, like they're like Montana governor, the Montana governor, his son is non-binary and is like basically asking their father to reject these bills. Like it it sucks. And like, and so the example I wanted to use is that, Basically, there was one of the representatives. I want to look up her name because she's a piece of shit. Yeah, drag the fuck out of her. State Representative Carrie Seekins Crow. She is a Republican, represents Billings. So her, I'm going to say daughter because her daughter has not transitioned. But this elected official gets up and makes a comment publicly, basically saying she would have, have rather her daughter die by suicide than transition. Yes. This is, I think, both, I mean, we could all agree, horrific. Yeah, it's the, one of the worst things I've ever heard. It is to use your child's pain 
as a political talking point and then to not understand that you are the villain. Yes. You are the problem. And also to offer a window into the dysfunction of your home that you would say something. So if you're saying it to us, the nation, you have said this to your child. To your child. In both explicit, as explicitly as you have now, and I'm sure in a thousand different ways, that you would then be so emboldened to talk about something like this and talk about your child like you should own them and your their psychic pain is meaningless to right. you. As that long you as you control they, their body yes. and you control exactly. their identity just because they're your child and not because they're an individual of their own. And this is literally a quote, you know, this is, she made these quotes in March talking. I mean, there's a million anti-trans bills in Montana, but everywhere else, obviously. And this representative said, someone once asked me, wouldn't I just do anything to help save her? And I really had to think, and the answer was no. And I think that there's nothing else to say about Republicans on this issue. Fuck that. Fuck that. Fuck them. The and I think this to me, that's why I wanted to talk about this movie. Is like there is this idea of like the child as something to control, something yes. to not not to cultivate or to help no. or support, but as something that if it ex, if a child extends beyond your control or becomes something that you cannot approve of, it is on you as a parent to crush that. And I think you know, like something like Juliana denying her abuse of her daughter and be like, she's just making it up. Can you believe these kids are making it up? It's like that level of denial about what a horrible parent you are. This, this, this Republican is a horrible parent. Yeah. Like this. Objectively. Objectively a terrible parent. And also has made comments about her daughter still struggling years later. Right. So it's yeah. not, again, like, the idea of, like, oh, this is a phase. That's They don't really believe that. They no. don't actually give a fuck about no. teenagers. No. They just but, think that that's a time that you should still absolutely be in control of your own child as a parent and be making all of the decisions regardless of what your child is asking for, which is, and will, and will save their life. Yeah. Um, and ugh. there is, uh, I, I just want to bring that up because there is a deep, um, un, there's a deep pathology in the Republican Party that we all can see. And a lot of it has to do with this idea that like, you know, the woke mind virus, which basically means anything progressive, anything on the left, anything that's genuinely invested in making things, place the, the world a better place, they think of as a contaminant. And there was even some article where it was like, where do these woke ideas come from? It's like from uh, abolition? Like, I don't know. It's like, yeah. we're from the, from Jesus Christ, like from every religion, like these yeah. are the quote, quote, Humanity. Ideas. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, there's something about it that to me really spoke to how far gone the Republican party is that yeah. you would say that publicly about your own child and think that that, Oh, that we're supposed to hear that and be like, you're and right. Be like, Correct. Good. I'm glad that your child is fucking miserable and yeah. continues to be. Because you couldn't handle it for a variety of different reasons. Yeah. Anywho, children are their own people. We should allow them. Yes. Support them. And also, like, they do, like, as a mother, for some reason, I think in a culture, like, we think, like, as if you're a mother, your choices are correct. We have to move past that, too. We have too many mothers in government, in this case, a a white cis mother who 
fundamentally is still beholden to these systems that control us too. Like, you know, like that, that, that hurt every woman, hurt every person. But for some reason, like, well, I'm a mother. So my ideas about what my child, what my, the world should be for my child. Like any safety and concerns that you would have. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I just wanted to bring that up back to the movie. Allison, what are some fatal mistakes you think that someone may have made in the movie, The Brood? Fatal mistakes. I mean, going to an institute like this to start (laughs) with, uh, feels like, not not that you shouldn't seek psychiatric help for things that you need help with, but boy, this wasn't the one. This is not. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, I guess we used to see it all the time is like we are, I don't know whether it's a particularly American thing or just everywhere in the world. It's like, man, if someone says they they finally have the solution, we want to believe they did. Yeah, we do. But they usually don't. They almost certainly do not, especially <laughs> when they have some sort of new institute no. where they pretend to be your daddy and berate you in front of a crowd of strangers. No, that's not medicine. That's not medicine. That could be a good time, depending on what you're interested in. Yeah, but, like, but it's not part, medicine. Yeah, it's, it's not, not trauma treatment. Um, and I think Juliana and Barton bad being bad parents. Yeah, you know, like yeah. And that's why I do think that, like, I understand how this movie might seem misogynistic, but I think we're supposed to like Nola's rage is valid. It's that like that rage is perverted into yes. a her, to horrific ends by a doctor who basically was facilitating this up until until he heard about Ruth Mayer dying. Yeah. He was he wanted this to happen. He this was proof that he was correct. Yes. So he was willing to sacrifice anything. Her her rage is valid, but instead of dealing with it again like all her, her movies, it's about trauma. It's about you know. trauma. Trauma. Uh not dealing with your trauma, the ultimate yeah, fatal the mistake ultimate in every fatal fucking mistake. movie. Across the board in every film. <laughs> and in every life. Mm. So, um, and then where would you like to put the movie on the spooky scale, Allison? The spooky scale. This one feels like a four. Ooh, okay. To me. Like, I think, like, the little critters, like, a scary thing, but, like, very much not real. Um mm. And uh, but but I do think like the concept of like an institute where like someone is being kept from someone else and you don't know what's going on there is yeah. very scary. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. I'm gonna give it a five. Oh wow! Just because I, you know, that David Cronenberg gets me every time mm-hmm. when you when you see the um lymphosarcoma on his mm. neck. I had like a vis a visceral disgust yeah. reaction. But yeah, it's not. This is not a particularly scary one, and I do think having little demented children as the villain does does lower the scariness of it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so it was more interesting and entertaining than actually scary. But then there were moments yeah, where absolutely, you know, uh, it, it, it's when I when you see that little hand grab that little uh, paperweight. Um, oh yeah, and no. again, yeah, like anything with kids, where you realize that the kids are those two of those kids are in fact creatures. Yeah, but five seems good. I feel like that fi- it's a fiver for yeah. sure. Um, well, everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, yeah. We hope you're enjoying Mommy Issues Month. Uh, uh, please let us know about what your issues with your mother are. And, um, yeah. you know, uh, just more in general. More mommies to come. More mommies to come. All right. Well, until next well, time, everybody. Please. Um, please keep, keep it spooky. spooky. We love you. We love you. 
Don't forget to follow us at Ruin Podcast and Crooked Media for show updates. And if you're as opinionated as we are, consider dropping us a review. Ruined is a Radio Point and Crooked Media production. We're your writers and hosts, Hallie Kiefer and Allison Leiby. The show is executive produced by Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder, and recorded and edited by Kat Iosa. From Crooked Media, our executive producer is Kendra James, with production and promotional support from Ari Schwartz, Kyle Siegland, Julia Beach, Caroline Dunphy, and Awa Okolati. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag and Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack.